Thanks for tuning in to the Boundless Authenticity Podcast, hosted by Jahan Sator, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. Let's tap into the discussion now. When we come into this world, we only see what exists already as a result of the collective. Our souls are perfect and unmolded by this projection of the others. From the earliest age, just as we begin to develop our own mind, we are taught to see things according to the socially accepted narratives. This dictates our interpretations and perceptions. This goes on to strengthen the existing structure of the collective. It seems innocent at first as it begins at home where we are influenced by our families. And then when we are able to independently think and learn to communicate at a certain level, we are whisked off to school, which is a tightly controlled system which begins to shape our minds by telling us how we should think and who we should be in this world. We are taught to obey the rules, memorize and regurgitate what we are told. We aren't allowed to be different from the pack. Don't ever deviate from the script. We become subjected to constant repetition and instilled with the beliefs about how the world works according to those who run the system. Any attempt whatsoever to question or change this is not tolerated and punished. Once we are finished with this programming process, we are told that we are nothing without it, and our entire trajectory of life is dependent upon how well we can carry out the objectives of the narrative. It is only the instructions as to what we must believe which make this system tangible and real to us. We aren't allowed to be one with nature. That's false according to the mental enslavement we have been trained into. The right thing to do is to work hard and acquire a certain predetermined level of importance, either by working for someone or making it to a point where others work for us, and we must never look outside of this way of being. All of this ensures that we stay connected to the mind virus of the controllers and plugged into the reality created by the social narrative versus what truly exists. Our soul's ability to play, create, love, and most importantly, empower each other through individuation and gaining self-knowledge. This is episode 14 of the Boundless Authenticity podcast, and my guest is Tasha Fishman. Tasha is an unschooling advocate, which frees kids from the trap of formal education, which means that our children can be raised in an environment which is life-supporting and void of the subconscious programs of the system we live in. This ensures that our kids grow up wiser, critical thinkers, creative, and able to self-regulate and flourish in this world much better than those who have been subjected to the mental projections and control mechanisms of the collective. You can find Tasha at TashaFishman.com and a link to her unschooling Facebook group will be in the show description, so be sure to check those out at the end of the show. Tasha. And schooling is a fantastic way to mold the minds of children, which molds the consciousness and what it creates on this planet. In your view, what is consciousness? Mm, that's a big question. What is consciousness? Um, Make it a big answer. <laughs> to me, it's presence, you know, and uh, um, one of the things that I've learned about unschooling is that it isn't for the faint of heart. It really is about present 
bringing presence into your parenting. That's what it really is about. And I loved your introduction where you said um, how we've been conditioned. Really, we have been conditioned to believe that the levels of education is synonymous with success. That's what all of us have gone through the system believing, which is simply not true. And I think that, um, yeah, consciousness is is that infinite spark within each of us um, alive and present. And part of this lifestyle of unschooling is bringing that to our everyday life. That's the ultimate goal, the pursuit of happiness, of joy um, in, in that presence and in our parenting. That's the, the actual ultimate goal of unschooling. Really, you have to unlearn everything that we've learned for it to actually work. <laughs> That's what I always say. You have to unlearn everything you know for assembly requirement. <laughs> I love that answer. And um, I love that you chose to say that it's presence because that in itself is a uh, a weird thing that happens in my personal coaching business. People don't understand something that's commonly said and that something is be here now. And this in itself is an issue that I get a lot of flack from people about speaking on because people don't want to hear that. It's, it's the same la 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 la. You can't say that. Why, why would you say that? And it's that a lot of the mental health, the coaching industry the spiritual industry, because that's what it is, the gurus are all behind the scenes and being dictated to what they can and cannot say by those that, you know, control what we learn at school as well, you know, tell us what to do in every other aspect of media, government, etc. And mm-hmm. people come to me for help and they're like, I don't, I just don't understand what be here now means. And I have to say to them, it's about presence. And they still don't get that either because the pathway that's uh, detailed for from these alleged gurus is to just keep it very vague and never actually tell you how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's about teaching people. And a lot of them are, are single mothers. You'd be surprised the number of single mothers there are out there beyond what the media tells us exist that aren't plugged into this system of, you know, what we see on Lifetime television or any other <laughs> shitty ass fucking uh, programming device. Yeah. Um, and they've read all the, the spiritual books and everything, you know, some of them have every book that's ever been on Oprah's book club and they still don't get it. And so it really has shown me that something very fishy is going on even in the in the places that we think are safe quote unquote safe that are bringing us some kind of growth and and again it's not to say that it's a bad thing i am just trying to pull the plaster off and reveal that there's an infected wound underneath and the time for action and the time for expanding your presence your consciousness like you correctly said it, it it is gone by a long time ago because now everything is is 
behind the scenes. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz where <laughs> there's this voice that's just coming at you in every industry and redirecting your focus back to the same things over and over again. And so if you are if you are in a position where you have a jump on the subconscious programming that's projected onto us, then you're in the best position above others. And so in my case, I had the benefit of uh, having a mother who had the foresight to keep me home because I was unwell. I was asthmatic as a kid. And that did me probably the best service because I, I see all of these other people. I almost call them kids. Actually, <laughs> I still see them as kids. Uh, some of us grew up and some of us didn't. Um, they're still carrying out the same behaviors that we learned in school. And I just didn't have like six or seven years of that because I was kept at home. And I remember being a child and having enough time on my own to cultivate a presence that the average child didn't have. And these days I don't see very much of that recreating itself, but I'm sure there's a lot of them out there. I'm sure that these are the kids who are, you know, told that something's wrong with them and uh, maybe they don't have the most supportive parents. And so they're dismissed when they try to say things that go against the narrative and whatnot. And I'm just trying to be real, but all of that helped me. And so unschooling is a really great way to ensure that even if your kids for some ungodly reason have to go into the education system that we have, that they're at the very least, the best part of their minds is protected against the mental enslavement. Um, I think it's Bruce Lipton that tells this story all the time about the Jesuits where they say, give me a child until it's seven. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what you're doing is such. And I'll, I'll change a whole generation. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an important job. I mean, I feel as though. Even if 10% of the global population was to have their kids go through unschooling in a small movement that it would bleed over into those other children. And I'm just very curious about what it is that got you started on the journey of getting into the unschooling. Like, how did you get there? Well, yeah. Let me back it up just to add to what you said um, when you spoke about the goal in your intro. Yeah, I mean, so when you ask a child if they're interested in this or in that, you are really speaking to their soul. When you don't respect their interests and you attempt to force learn on them, you're basically saying, I don't trust that your soul has a path in this lifetime. I don't trust that you'll find it and you shouldn't either. That's that. That's how I sum up unschooling. It is following the pursuit of our own passions with reckless abandonment. It is the fire, you know, that we chase of the things that we're interested in. And we go to where the child is and we let their soul lead the way. And that is a radical, radical thought and movement that was 
you know, um, founded before me for sure, because I have a wonderful mentor named Dana Martin, who I'll speak about later on, who founded the, the term and coined radical unschooling 20 years ago. But when I sum up what it is and the essence of it, it is that it is, we are here to facilitate really nothing. We're just here to help and be, and be alongside these little beings and, you know, bring things to them and, and give them as many experiences as possible and let them find their own soul path. So this is radical for me. So how I, I came to this shift was, um, you know, I, I went through the system myself, all sorts of schools. I went to five different high schools. I did university. I did it very unorthodox. I traveled a lot, piecemealed while I waitressed and bartended and did classes here and um, to get it all done. Always felt like an outsider because I went to so many different schools. And so when I had kids, I thought to myself, I don't want to have the, I don't want to give them the same upbringing. I want them to have a really solid structure, be at the same school. Um, you know, it, I had this erroneous belief that the tribe, I did, that I didn't have a tribe. And, and there was consequences to that. I didn't realize it was going to be my superpower come 2020. Okay. So at the time, it seemed like I was missing out. And I ended up marrying um, a Jewish man. Well, they have one of the longest histories and lineages and tribes of all time. And I was completely attracted to that um, dynamic because it's something I had never had. And so when with the kids being in school, I thought I've got to be at the same school and it has to be structured and this is going to be good for them. And they're going to have what I didn't have, what I thought was missing. And, you know, fast forward... May, March, 2020. And all of a sudden the kids are at home. So I have three kids all on different learning programs. Um, and I'm trying to help my husband save the family business because it's been shut down. So I'm on the phone on a headset 11 hours a day with three kids all on their computers. I mean, it was hell. I mean, it was hell for everybody who was trying to work and be at home. Um, 100%. And this is what happened to me. I, my sister-in-law was persistent with showing me a couple videos and I felt like I didn't have time. I was losing my mind doing all these other things. Two things, David Rodriguez, David Nino Rodriguez. I saw a live video, this random video that he said that he did that went viral all the way about Hollywood to adrenochrome. Now I know we're going deep here, but let's just get into Go deep. <laughs> Get the shovel. Let's go. <laughs> so, and then I saw my first video on David, David Ike. And that was it. I woke up. I was crying. I called my sister-in-law. I said, I don't know how to solve this problem, but I want to be a part of the solution. I, I, I knew I was, I, every part of my body and being and experience that had led me to that timeline was meant to be because I was here to do something way bigger than I thought. And, and I knew it and I was just, that was it. And then went down the research hole, you know, the rabbit holes for months. I mean, we're talking months, months, months. And I just knew I did not know how I was going to do this, but that they were never going to go back. 
I, I just knew that I saw a video about something about vaccines or when we all get a vaccine, we'll all be together. And I knew immediately it was like all of a sudden I was privy to some other language. It was like, OK, this is what it is. They're trying to mass vaccinate the world. Now, I had been slightly awake, um, you know, how we have various levels of awakening. And I didn't vaccinate my kids growing up. I worked for 10 years with children with disabilities and met many families who felt that they were gaslit by the industries that, and that their children were vaccine injured. So I had done enough research and, and was able to stay under the radar and avoid that. So there are certain things that I was awake and aware about that triggered the response that I had um, when they said, oh, when we all get a vaccine, we'll go back to normal. It was like, uh-uh. No way. <laughs> so, so that was basically it. And then from there, I ended up seeing, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Kelly Brogan. She's a holistic psychiatrist. She's part of the dirty dozen that Biden claimed are the misinformation dozen. So you know that she's actually got something to say. We should be following all those ones, right? Right. So I found her and through her, I ended up seeing uh, Dana, Dana Martin. I saw a video she was talking about unschooling and I will never forget. She was sitting there with Kelly and she had said, just as I said to you at the beginning of this podcast, if I'm here with my crew, if somebody comes down and I have to tend to them, please don't be offended. I'll just have to mute you for a second and tend to my children. And I was blown away by that because I had just spent three months trying to do the business, deal with the kids, shush them to death, get them in other rooms, have my online Zooms, make sure they were quiet. And this person just came out of this graceful, you know, presence and said, this is how it's going to be. And I'll have to mute you. And I hope you don't mind. And that's how it is. (laughs) I was like, I am sold. I want more of that. That's where I need to be. I don't even know. So, um, you know, I went from doing her courses, you know, to becoming her protege um, for a year to become an unschooling advocate and immerse myself so deeply in this lifestyle. And really the bulk of this work has been me undoing and unzipping and unlayering and unveiling my own conditioning, my own patterns that were in the way between me and my children. So that's how I got to get here. That's how. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that's really. I have to commend you because that is one of the bravest things that anyone can do. You know, I don't care what the narrative says about anybody's role. The role of a mother is the toughest. It is the most complex. And it has the most stuff attached to it mm. above anything else that could ever happen. So I have to commend you for having that that bravery to follow through with what it is you felt like you needed to do. Uh, you have to understand that in this line of work, uh, as a coach in in. And I actually fucking, I can't stand that word coach because (laughs) it really does have that drop and give me 20 pushups vibe to it. And, you know, that's a lot, what a lot of coaching is like bullying or, 
you know, trying to manipulate someone into to having a, a realization when it's really not about that. It's about, like you said, again, consciousness, but presence, mm-hmm. teaching a person how to focus their consciousness in the right direction. Um, and there are so many people that come in that don't make it past the first two or three weeks because it's too much for them to commit to following through the safety that goes along with the subconscious programming of the narrative is so strong in them and they are so afraid and so desperate to have a tribe that Mm -hmm. it just, it doesn't work out for them. They automatically go back to the same old thing over and over again. And uh, I've worked with people who've, you know, they've slipped up and they've realized that they've made a mistake and they were like, okay, I made a mistake now you know, what can I do to get past this? And when I tell them what it is I have to do to get past this, they're mortified because they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. It's the same thing again. And the the tug of the subconscious is so strong for so many people. You know, there's people out there that, um, what happens in in this, this freshly hijacked industry is that people will go and find new ways of doing the same old things and these are the people who are constantly on a healing journey they have to identify with everything and so it becomes another mechanism by which they pull our humanity away from us our ability to consciously put ourselves in a state where every single day we do a little bit more of something and undo a little bit more of something which is the never-ending process of bringing yourself up to the consciousness of enlightenment. It's insight based. It's, it's based on digging deeper and observing yourself and observing how you interact and communicate with people and realizing, okay, the way that I want to respond to this event, that's the subconscious speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The tribe is the tribe is the strongest pull for sure. The the idea of the tribe. And like I said before, I didn't realize that all of my years of feeling like an outsider moving around here, there, and the other, being an only child, not having this, you know, um lineage, um, it really is was my superpower in this instance. I think that everybody who has felt like an outsider prior to 2020 are probably going to be the leaders of the new earth the pioneers of the new earth, you know, um, because we are trailblazers. We're, we have to do it differently. We foresee and can forecast what's what's happening and the, the fall of the old structures. And so we're here to build, you know, that's how I feel. That's what I feel my mission is. And it's not to build some other new system, not at all. It's to bring back, like you said, the consciousness, the presence into parenting. I mean, that's really what children want all they really want when it gets down to it. They came to this planet to be with their mom and dad. Think about that. And we ship them off earlier and earlier and earlier, off to these institutions and these other people. We've been conditioned and trained to believe that we are not capable of facilitating and our, you know, our child's learning. That, that we must hand them off. They'll, they'll get behind. They won't know how to focus. They won't know how to become a member of society. You're right. They won't be, they won't know how to become a, the, the slave self. You know, we literally unschool our children naturally from the day they're born 
to the day we hand them over to these institutions. We teach them how to eat. We teach them how to talk, how to walk, how to love, how to cuddle. You know, most of them know how to count and how to put things together by the time they go to kindergarten. But once I realized, once I did enough research and realized, oh my gosh, this entire structure has been built against us as part of this slave matrix to, you know, it's, it was there, even the, the hospitals, you know, I was very lucky to be awake in certain ways and to give birth on, have natural childbirth and to have the minimal invasive, that there was something about that initiation, I think, which is what connected me to the awakening I had in 2020 with this Sharona show, clown show we have going on, right? And and I was lucky to be able to do that. But some, like when I realized, oh, this is the, the breakdown of the family unit. This is about taking the parent, the child away from the parent, you know, even at birth. I mean, it's, it's, all it's very heavy. Time, isn't it? And well, like, like you said earlier, you said um, it's so easy to go back. You know, this is heavy stuff to awaken to and it and it falls deep on my shoulders and, you know, not is screw the ridicule uh, that I've received or, you know, the friendships that have blown up or the, you know, other things like that. It's it's more about going inside and trusting the divine that no matter what happens, I'm doing the right thing because they can't go back and neither can I. And the more you unlay, you know unravel the onion layers the more you're you know but you're in uncharted water and that is scary it can be yeah but at the same <laughs> i've seen the benefit you know i've seen the benefit i i can see so clearly why so many people want to go back to the tribe there are parents right now i am in so many parent groups of different levels of awakening up here in china said i would that's where i'm from yeah china that's right. I said it. So I'm in all these parent groups and they will say things like they are so angry about the masks. Now, the ki- now you know, last week they brought the kids back, but they're going to give them special masks. Even we're going to even, you know, capacitate their breathing even more than we already have been. And now we're going to do rapid testing twice a week. Okay. And we're going to spend a billion dollars of our tax money into that starting this week and people are so angry and so upset and they're bitching to each other. And they still say at the end of their Facebook post, pulling them out isn't an option. So I'm not sure what I have to do. And I'm like, what really at what point? And I've had to just say it now, you know, I used to be like, you know, more calm and just, I don't get involved in too much. And now I'm just like, listen, y'all, you have to pull them out and then keep fighting the battle. Like, you know, if you, if I told you this was a war, if I told you that your kids were in danger and this was a threat and we were in World War Three, you wouldn't, you, it wouldn't be an option. It wouldn't matter. You would pull them out immediately and you would make it work like we have in every other war. You know, you think in World War Two and World War One, you're worried about your kids' soccer activities? No, 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 you weren't, right? Like, so they just don't see it. They don't see it. And it's heartbreaking to me. And so my mission is to live my life out loud and, and be the light where I can um, just as others have been for me when I turned a corner. 
that's all we can do, right? We're all trying to walk each other home. So that was kind of a long-winded answer. <laughs> I loved every moment of it. Please do unleash. Like I said, get the shovel. You know, I have so many things to say, and let me start with the first thing. So I'm just going to speak to you about this. You probably know all of this, but just in case the listeners don't know this, you know, kids go through phases of development. And so from the time they come out of the womb up until about age seven, they're in that hypnagogic state, which is a dream state. And they're taking in everything from the environment around them. And so the subconscious mind is just like a tape recorder. And as our, as our, as our friend, uh, and my favorite comedian, Jason Kristoff says, <laughs> you know, it's a very loving part of the mind. And so it really, it just wants to protect you. Unfortunately, the problem is that it picks up everything that happens via repetition. And so um, we're, we're bombarded with all of this crap from the time we come out. And so from zero to seven, you're learning everything that's going on from your family and then from 7 to 14, you get thrust into the education system and you're trying to apply those things that you learn from 0 to 7 in that phase of development and you're figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Then from 14 to 21, you're still struggling to apply everything and that's maybe the most critical phase because when you come into being a teenager, then you have all of these hormones, which the hormones inherently lead to emotion. And the emotion is what hard codes the dominant subconscious programming even further. The, the, the reactions and the frustrations and all those things that go along with it. We see great examples of it on American television where there's, you know, the prissy bratty kids that don't get their way. Well, why is that? And you touched on this earlier because what you said essentially, or at least what I interpreted is that the main thing kids need is to be heard. Because the best way to foster anyone's um, anyone's consciousness is by allowing them to have a space to communicate with you. And by not projecting your own worldviews, which worldviews essentially come from the best conclusions that you've made about what you see around you. And that's yours to own. That's nobody else's to own. And we have the education system, yes, but also the family system needs to to have some kind of reform to it because like you said we're constantly just trying to get rid of our kids mm -hmm. from the time and so subconsciously what are you telling that child that you're you're not enough somehow and you know we can talk about marissa peer's work where she says that like 63 percent, or is it 68 percent of the average adult has the i am not enough thing mm -hmm. going on and uh, i i dare say Based on my personal experience, it's about 80% of us have the I'm not enough as a dominant trait. And then the other 10% still have it in some other way because there's so many other insidious ways that, that we reaffirm subconsciously that we're not enough somehow. Somehow I'm not sufficient in this way because this thing didn't work out the way I expected it because this thing doesn't match up with what I learned when I was a child, which I don't understand. I'm applying something I learned when I was a child to my 40 year old life, <laughs> you know, things like that. And so that's how deep the cut goes. And so there's no such thing as perfection when it comes to being a human being. We are all imperfect by nature. And that's the name of the game. Uh, I think it's Peter Crone that actually says, whoever 
you know, whoever can get rid of the, the most fears wins the game. <laughs> and I love the way he says that because it, essentially that's what life is about. And if you really sit and you ask yourself the question, where do the majority of our fears come from? It's from the narrative. It, we are not born with this. We are born not a clean slate because we do come in with um information that's on a genetic level information that's on a subconscious level information that's on an ancestral level that's in the dna we have all of these different different aspects of ourselves that aren't acknowledged that bring up things and experiences that we need to work on but the majority of the fear comes from the narratives that are just forced on us in every second and so when you have a kid that's just trying to figure shit out and you're not listening at all I mean, they go to school and they're not listening, then it becomes a problem. And to reference something else that came up for me while you were talking, it's like our kids can only look to us for information about everything. They can only look to the world outside of them just as we do. And we forget that. And I believe it's A Course in Miracles, which for anybody listening doesn't know what that book is. It's basically cognitive behavioral therapy, but by Jesus that was channeled by Helen Shuckman. <laughs> and uh, what one of the most powerful things that is said in there, at least in, in my view of it, is um, Helen channeling the words of Jesus says that you give your child a cup. And how does that child know what it's called? You tell it that this is called a cup. And from now on, for the rest of that human being's life, this is called a cup. Mm-hmm. And that's true for everything else that child experiences. And so if, uh, I can't remember what the guy's name is, but there's actually two people that say this. Uh, I was just talking to Ryan McCormick and he mentioned this to me and I remembered that, yes, uh, 80% of the population are non-playable characters, according to this one guy's research. And that's a, a startling statistic because what's 80% of, of 8 billion people? <laughs> the majority of people then are just going along as brain dead puppets, essentially, in a not very nice way of saying it. But that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And very rarely do any of us have the courage or see the opportunity when it comes up to break subconscious patterns. And so we need more things Absolutely. like unschooling because like co- the coaching industry is kind of like unschooling for adult kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, well, um, okay. Yeah. I was just going to say this one more thing uh, yeah. that um, you know, it's actually Joe Dispenza that says this in his work that by the time a human being is 35, they're a memorized set of subconscious patterns and it's very hard to break after that age. So, you know, it, it's this is just to outline how critical this thing is because we're raising kids and then, you know, like you you kick your kids out in like, is it American and, and Canada? I don't know if they do it in, in China, sorry. <laughs> um, if they, you know, by the time you're 18, you better get out and get a job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's definitely going on. That's That's part of, again, this authoritative paradigm that, you know, we're that's the battle 
And, you know, along with what you were saying about, you know, a child just wants to be heard there and, and you need some reform in the family. Absolutely. This entire lifestyle, it's a lifestyle. It's a philosophy that we're implementing with unschooling. It's not just lazy parenting and we do nothing. No, 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 no. Most of it has thus far been me unprogramming my own self because obviously I'm going to be the biggest catalyst on the on the kids. I mean, they're fine right now. You know, I got them out soon enough, you know, grade one and grade four. But um, the, the main crux of it is freedom, you know, and as I sit here as an adult, part of the Freedom Alliance and the movement across the world, standing in my own sovereignty for the freedom of humanity, How can I forget my own children? How can we forget our children? And unschooling at the crux of it is about freedom, the freedom for them to choose what they want to learn, when they want to learn, and for how much of a given time, which goes against everything of the authoritative paradigm. Um, But I did want to say to that, that, you know, when I was a teenager, I left home very young, 15, 16, and there was not a lot of room for my, my parents had another child when I was about 14, my brother. And, and, you know, so you can imagine their world was oddly different than where I was going and it just didn't feel heard. I rebelled a lot. And my mom used to always say, you know, um, Oh, the teenager, you were such a horrible teenager and teenager and this and that, you know, and, and I, I really grew up and grew out of that and, and really believed that it was I that was such a horrible teenager, you know, and I apologized later on in years, you know, I really was this horrible teenager and I was running away and I was stealing cars and I was doing drugs and partying. But, you know, through this work, I've been able to understand why, you know, and the, some of the families that I know who, whose children are older now or who are young adults, none of them, have these issues during the infamous teenage years. None of them, because there's nothing to rebel against when they have absolute freedom. If you can imagine that for a second, what kind of human would you have developed into if you did not have 12 years, 15 or 16 or 18 years of school in your way? You know, when I was asked that question, I immediately knew that I would have been a singer. I, I was good, or I would be a roller skating champion. That's what I wanted to do when I was a kid. But school was in the way. Or I would have been a basketball player. There's so many things, you know? And so giving your children absolute freedom as they developed in a loving, present home with a present parent, the freedom to explore all the subject matter, all of the things, you know, it's, it's probably how the divine always intended. It's probably how it has always been until the negative dark force, you know, star Wars, whatever the name we want to call it came in and started hijacking everything. Um, it's unbelievable. And I, I have to read you this this quick, this is part of going down the rabbit holes of the research. Wait. This one is called the weapons of mass instruction. John Taylor Gatto. Yep. <laughs> you know this one? Yeah. So they talk about the structure of school being infiltrated after world war two from, from private foundations, select university think tanks. Well, we know who who's running all of those shows anyway, the same people who are running the Sharona show. Okay. Yes, yes. So, 
if you listen to this, these were their educational object, objectives for school. It was proposed for Prusia by another mad German doctor in the late 18th century, in which every citizen was charged with continually spying on every other citizen, detecting any sign of disease pathology, even a sniffle, and reporting it once to the authorities for remedial action. Bloom spawned a horde of dissentient forms, mastery learning, outcome-based education, school-to-work, classroom, business partnerships, and more. And the programs are constructed, constructed so as to offer useful data for controlling the minds and movements of the young. Does that not sound familiar? <laughs> so, so I need you to say the name of that book and the author for everybody to go get that because it's uh, yes. important is, to read. So, I have it myself. <laughs> Weapons of Mass Instruction by John Taylor Gatto, A School Teacher's Journey Through the Dark World of Compulsory Schooling. Number one, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but when you when you wake up and you realize, my goodness, I was also a victim to the social construct that my education was synonymous with success. But really, I was like learning from people like Tony Robbins and other people who are like didn't go to school, and like you know, the, it, the, it, that's actually just completely erroneous. Um, but when you realize that these people have been doing this for centuries, they have been concocting ways to control and form us. And here we are. I mean, the mummy matrix. What what school does your kid go to? Oh, you know, mine this one over here. Oh, well, mine's going to this one. Well, Montessori's this one. Well, we he gets to do his own thing at this. I mean, it's an endless barrage of the crab mentality. If we're even speaking about school, right? And now it's to the point, oh, when are you starting? Oh, 18 months. Yeah, yeah. My son's in preschool at the French Lycée. He's 18 months old. And that's supposed to be revered because he's going to be ahead of the game. Ahead of what? You see how they have done this to us? And they've created and social engineered this thing where we not only, just like we're doing right now with the Sharona show, censoring each other, Canadians are very good at this. You know, I don't know if you've heard in Barbados, but, you know, people say Canadians are so polite. Oh, we're just so polite. I mean, when I was traveling in my 20s, you didn't want to be American. My goodness, you wanted to have a Canadian flag because everybody thought we were so polite. Well, look at us today. We're the biggest sheep of them all. We're the, the sleeping nation that's getting trampled on and sacrificing our children to the same forces. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as to say that that um that Canadians are so nice and stuff like that. Like I, that all goes back to one psychological notion it's called the psychology of nationalism and that idea was first proposed by alfred kurzybski i believe where he talks about the enculturation of of groups of people based on where they're born and how that's a thing that's projected on you from the time you are you know come you come out of the womb and i think in canada based on my experience because i have a lot, a lot of canadian family actually um being around them, I would say they're passive. And I, I would say that that's not far from what you just said. They're sheep. And um, it's, you know, our buddy Jason again says, go along to get along. 
could as well be the national anthem. Let's oh. all just go along to get along. <laughs> and um, it, there's also that polarity to it that I've experienced where it can be quite nasty to to each other and to other people as well. So I wouldn't necessarily say that that's far from the truth at all. Uh, in In Barbados, it's kind of the same thing where people will come here and they'll say, oh, everybody was so friendly. And then, uh, you know, that's when I have to drop the truth bomb and say, well, you know, you went to the tourist version, but you can be guaranteed as soon as you turned your back, you were just a few inches short of having a knife in it because uh, two-faced is a, a very, uh, it's a very common behavior here where, you're just nice. You smile in the face of whoever it is, the nice tourist person that you think you're never going to see again. And then, you know, to get what you want and then you turn around and you assault the white man because there's still very much that slave mentality on top of the pre-existing slavery. And so I'm sorry that I cut you off first and foremost, but I needed no. to, I needed to say that in there because this is about bringing the unschooling to a global scale. Whoever listens to this, whatever corner of the world you you are in go on youtube and for god's sake just type in alfred korzybski k-o-r-z-s-y-b-i i believe and it's the psychology of nationalism and it's a very old there's some very old clips out there where he talks about how the government uses a flag a fucking flag and a national anthem and all these different devices to instill into you what should be the culture of a country, which then goes on to fuck you up as you're a kid. <laughs> and then, you know, it screws you up as an adult because there you are saluting a piece of cloth and thinking that it's okay to be an asshole, basically, because this flag tells you what to do and, you know, you must obey. And, and that's ridiculous. Um, you you said something that really stood out to me about having the absolute freedom to explore and express as a kid. And that's what it's all about. Because then when we become adults, then you, you come knocking on my door because you've lived your life in such a way that you weren't able to have a, any freedom whatsoever. And you are a, a slave to your own thinking via the linguistic prisons that you've been locked inside of either because of the thoughts you think um, about other people because of how you've been trained or because you don't have the courage to break out of the narrative and really explore what that means for you. And, and we're seeing uh, some very sobering and some very dark things happening that it's going to affect the kids more than the adults. It, re it really is. If you look at the young kids that are now in the middle, and I know this is a sensitive topic for a lot of people, and I do have friends who subscribe to this, and, I, and you know, I love them very much because I see them as people. However, at the risk of losing friends, the gender identity problems that our kids are having right now is a part of the subconscious enslavement that we're having because in... In my experience, you know, first of all, fucking being a kid, <laughs> when I was growing up, there was no such thing. There was no, you didn't, you, you weren't a boy and you didn't feel like you were anything else other than a boy. You didn't have the internet at that time. You were running around doing 
all of the things that were hardwired into you being whatever gender you were born as. And so there was this thing on uh, CNN about this family that basically the rest of the parents in the school and everything gaslit this family because the kid um, decided it was a boy and decided it wanted to be a girl. And so the coping mechanism that you could tell by the words that the parents were using and you could tell by the the smile that seemed as though it was being held together and, you know, being glued to the corners of this woman's cheeks by the tears that she wasn't allowed to cry because everyone around her tried to make her wrong for questioning whether or not her child was making the right choice. And so this goes back to what we were talking about, how the kids are picking these things up from everywhere but themselves. And so when a child comes to you and says, I feel like I'm a girl, and I, but I'm in a boy's body, is that really true? Mm-hmm. And you see how that's a sensitive topic. Is that really true? How, yeah. how, are, how is your child being influenced? What is your child's subconscious mind being subjected to that it is having these questions about itself? Because nature doesn't make a mistake. You understand mm-hmm. that? Nature does not make a mistake. And this is another way that the mental health industry has been hijacked and the education industry has been hijacked to mold these children into a particular way of thinking and it's complete confusion and so we have that happening where kids are being entrained into confusion on every level about their sexuality and who they are at the deepest core and then we also have a lack of freedom to explore and express themselves through that and we have these parents who are so afraid to be honest with their kids and to ask the right questions because if they do that, they're made to look like horrible people by the society. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sorry, whoever is offended by that, well, you know, you can go listen to another podcast, but this is about telling the truth and this is about speaking on real issues that are going to affect the next generations of children and that bitch Rona, here we go with her again. This thing about wearing masks. I saw this video. I believe it was by Maxwell Egan, Max Egan. Um, he showed a video of this kid that was so disturbed by the fact that there were pictures of kids in a magazine, not wearing a mask that it would take his crayon and draw a mask on every child that it saw. That's not right. Mm -hmm. That's a very sobering thought. That's a very soul crushing thought that these children are going to grow up not only being trained that they have to wear this muzzle. It's that they will hardly be exposed to the proper breathing, which 
to go back to your beginning point is what leads us to the experience of every moment. Everything we experience is based on the breath. And that's how we cultivate mindful behaviors by noticing our breathing. And our breathing actually dictates to our level of safety and our level of emotional intelligence and our ability to access the information that we need for survival. And there's videos of kids online as well. Um, you know, the parents pull the masks off them and, and you see that their tongue is just out because they're gasping for breath under there. They haven't yet learned all of that. And so they're, they're, the brain has, um, you know, anybody that doesn't believe any of this, go and look for yourself. But the brain also has this default facial recognition program that's built into it. And so these kids have to wear these masks and they have no clue. They're growing up in an environment where they have no clue what anybody's facial expressions mean about anything. And so they will forever either be like zombified because of it, or they will be extremely sensitive and reactive to circumstances and too afraid to behave in the correct ways because they don't understand their brain has hardwired out a natural faculty what do you have to say about all of this a lot but i i'd have to say the last two years has done so much damage you know you almost wonder if this is really the end times because you know the same evil force um that has hijacked all of these narratives you know like even the idea about you know, these pronouns. I mean, now we've got like 52 different pronouns that they're saying that there are. And, you know, it's like they take everything, like the intolerance for gay people, right? I have a best friend I grew up with since we were four years old. He's gay. We grew up together. He's my brother. He had a hard life back in little old town, Saskatchewan, Regina, China. And that's where we (laughs) lived. And, you know, we would have to like, sneak into gay bars when they used to be hidden and they used to not have signs outside. Like this is what it was, you know, he didn't have an easy life being gay. So, but what they do is they take this stuff, they take the victim mentality of things and then they exasperate it and they put this agenda behind it. And now we're at this, this pride over sexualized, you know, fantasy party every year that we've got a display with, you know, butt cheeks and gags in the mouth and the whips and the change and all the things and the drag queens and the, and the, the, the trans agenda. I mean, once you realize the same forces behind all these agendas, it's so obvious to see that they are trying to divide and conquer the child at a very young age. There is no way there are this many children that are identifying with another sex all of the sudden in the past five years, come on people. It's being taught. It's being snuck in. It's being woven into the curriculum. You know, it's funny that you brought this up because yesterday on my Instagram, I changed because any pronouns, you can only pick all their pronouns. And so I wrote my own, I wrote pronouns, uh, free woman. <laughs> That's my new pronoun. Did they let you save it? I made my own because I could, they wouldn't let me find that on their thing. So I made my, um, but yeah, definitely um, just another branch of, of hijacking. Um, You know, again, you talked about um, 
with the with the kids and the boys it's ultimately how do you take control of a planet how do you take control of a population you take out the dissidents you take out the alpha males you take out even the alpha females you feminize the males i mean i'm just just getting into jason's lectures about the attack on men and looking at some of these documentaries with the the uh endonetric blockers that are making our males or you know it certainly was with the animals and the frogs more feminine right and all these things that are going on in the plastics and this is all by design right because the unwritten rule between men has always been to protect the women and the children and the more vulnerable and the elderly and what's going on right now what do i see all around me i see beta mask wearing child sacrificers you know first one to sign me up and throw me on a train out I to an interview i'm sure right i yeah. mean when you know you know yeah. when you know you know right and you see it everywhere and it's unbelievable so yes pull your kids out of school it's that serious people it's not even just about the mask. I mean, how we have convinced nations, our nation, to withdraw the air, the God-given air and life force that we breathe. You know what I say every time I go into the store? Not today, Satan. That's what I say. Holy Spirit, that's activate. How I, that's how I armor myself in every store I go into, especially with the kids. Not today, Satan. I'm never going to do that. You know, and it's, it goes back to the same thing we were talking about, the tribal, the herd being in the middle of the herd is the safest place. You know, that's so. So if you want your kids to end up like the government wants your kids to end up, then you send them to public school. That's what I awoken to. Like, I mean, and we did everything. We did the private schools. We did the public schools. We did. It's still all the same because the public's the private schools are still funded partially by the government. So they still have to follow the same curriculum. They are just training these ones to be the upper echelon of the slaves, to be the slave, not maybe necessarily masters, but the slave runners, right? They're still slaves themselves. They're just going to be bossing the other ones. And this has been going on since the days of the Pharaoh. Sir, I get heated up about that, you know? I am am feeling all of that heat and (laughs) I am am loving every moment of it because, you know, people (laughs) need to hear this. And that's why it's called the Boundless Authenticity Mm -hmm. Podcast. I almost called it the fuck off Jahan's talking show. Um, (laughs) But then I realized I needed to... You needed a wider (laughs) up. (laughs) I needed to to keep it a little bit on the low there with that. Um, Welcoming. You know, this is a profound thought. And I know that there are so many people who will hear this and still have cognitive dissonance around it. And so I know that there's memes and stuff going around the internet that explain what cognitive dissonance is. However, I'm going to explain it again. We formulate our beliefs based on repetitive thoughts that we have and we agree with. And so we make conclusions. Listen to the word. A conclusion is an ending, which means once we decide that we agree with something, 
that's the best conclusion we've come to. And so every opinion we have on everything else in the world is based on this and it's closed off. It's rigid. And in CBT, that's called rigid rule keeping. And when, when something doesn't fit the filter of our beliefs, we have what's called cognitive dissonance. And so dissonance, if you want to refer to it as like a musical note on the scale, there's notes that are always in harmony. They always work with everything. And then there's like the sixth and the seventh, which always sound like they just really don't belong there. It's like a sound that, that just goes completely against everything. And so in that way, that's how when somebody hears anything that's outside of traditional schooling, the societal narrative, they have this dissonance in their thinking that overrides and redirects them right back to the, the pattern of thinking that has been hardwired into their brain. Hello. I'll call you back. Sorry about that. I don't know how to mute that when we're talking, but keep going. <laughs> That's fine. You know, people have cell phones. Um, anything goes on this show. Like if somebody has a problem with your phone ringing, well, you know, you can go listen to another podcast where their guests don't have their phones on because they're not real people who don't have lives. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, evil needs the well-to-do, the well-intentioned people who just are going along unaware to do their work for them. And uh, that lady, I can see her face now, Dr. Romani, that talks about narcissism. She has a term, she's coined gaslighting by tribe. Mm. And I urge anybody to go and watch Dr. Romani because the behaviors that she describes talking about interpersonal relationships interacting with narcissists that's the government the government is in real time and the media in real time carrying out narcissistic behaviors and they are training other people to shame you if you don't wear your mask if you don't sanitize which by the way hand sanitizers will fuck up the bacteria on your hands the masks are causing you to breathe in your own dirty air, which mm-hmm. is not good for your lungs. You're now in shallow breathing. Mm-hmm. And what does that do? It puts you in a fear state. Like I said before, your breathing is directly correlated to your feeling of safety. And so when they muzzle you, they know what they're doing. That's why they're mandating wearing masks now. And it has to be the KN95 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And and, then- and uh, another reason for that is because there are tiny little nanoparticles inside of the fibers of these masks. Mm-hmm. And, and people, you know, I can hear people saying, oh, really, what? Well, what, what could they possibly want to achieve by having nanoparticles in these masks? Mind control. Because if you can put a microscopic particle in something that will penetrate your blood-brain barrier when you breathe in and make you become docile and make you develop some kind of health problem, then that's how they get you. It's a sick care industry, not a health care industry. It's never been about fixing poor mental health. Fixing poor mental health almost always comes, to, comes right back down to your ability 
to emotionally regulate yourself, to self-manage, self-regulate, and look at the contents of your mind. You know, yes, we're, we're imperfect by nature, and so we do things automatically, and then we realize. But it's about taking absolutely 100% personal responsibility. And so we're living in a society of people who have been dumbed down and robbed of the best experiences in their lives. And this is coming from a genuine place of caring about people and caring about the evolution of human consciousness and what everyone on an individual level has the capacity to create for themselves in their lives and experience and how, you know, we can all, you know, here's Mr. Unity on his soapbox, but we can all come together and realize that 100% personal responsibility leads to better communication. It leads to a better experience of child raising it in their generations that will that will become built upon and as we go about our lives we can create more effective things other than what's coming out of the government the media and fucking silicon valley that will eventually just take us backwards and and you said something to the effect of uh you know never let's not give up on the old ways of doing things because nature doesn't make a mistake. The old ways of doing things and providing that space for your children to actually deal with life, like our buddy says again, the hard day, not avoiding the hard day is the way forward. And I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you any lessons that I've learned by taking the easy way out of anything. Taking the easy way out and running has only gone on to create more problems. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. We have to we have to wake people up and perhaps it it might be best to just focus on the kids cuz the kids have the least bullshit <laughs> to yeah. clear out. Um the adults are ridiculous. Um and in this pandemic the one thing that I've noticed is that the kids are now split down the middle because there's the kids are the ones that don't have as much stuff and so they know intuitively that something is not right and they're wanting to speak out and um, and then there's the other section that I've just lived with people who are so completely unaware that they've gone right into the programming of the system and now that's robbed the kids of the ability to regulate their emotions and to think critically and to be able to make decisions for themselves and you mentioned the weird sex stuff, the over-sexualizing of everything that we see in the media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to say this on behalf of all of my, my gay friends. Being gay is not about weird gay sex. It's not. That's what the media portrays it as. And it, 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 the media also is responsible for the projecting of the image that because you're a gay male, for example or a gay woman, for example, that a gay male must be extremely effeminate or a gay female must be extremely masculine. And that's not what it's about. Any balanced human being who has reached a point of maturity and strength of character in their life will be fully balanced between masculine and feminine attributes. Mm -hmm. There's no... You understand what I'm saying? And so that in itself tells us about the manipulation and the hijacking of, of our character, of our souls, or who we should be. There's nothing inherently good or bad about being gay. 
Mm-hmm. It's yeah. how how we're being dictated to by mama and daddy government. <laughs> well, that's it. And if you say anything, then that's what they go back to. Oh, you're a transphobe. Oh, you're homophobe. Yeah. This and so that is the the playbook that they use, right? So they they hijack a certain sensitive issue, like up here in Canada. Uh, you know, we have issues with obviously um, with the Native Americans and these grave sites that were found of these children. Right. And so they want they want us and, and some of the politicians up here are apologizing for being white and for being cis, whatever the hell that means. Anyway, what? yeah, yeah, Michelle Rempel, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a sill and I'm white and I have white privilege. And I and you see it in the CBC, which is the Canadian communism broadcast, you know, this, the news that but they have these sitcoms and you see them, the girls are joking about white privilege. And like you see, you know, you can start to see that kind of hijacking that's occurring and then that the attack goes on when you question it they go to the source spot of humanity like black lives matter or no you don't care about native people because of the grave sites well no 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 i'm just questioning um why it's coming up now Okay, that's all I'm doing. I want to question why. Don't tell me the government didn't know about these. We've been in reconciliation for years and in courts. But all of a sudden now, we're going to let the public know in the media about these mass grave sites, right? Uh, it's, 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 and so then they attack you. They attack you. And that's why everybody has gotten to a point where cognitive dissonance is so thick and the censorship along with it. People self-censor. Because the minute they say anything or question anything, like you said, outside of that social construct, that narrative that's built from school age days and everything else, they're whipped back in line. Gaslighting by tribe. Thank you, Dr. Romani. And I was going to say the word that you used when you said these people are doing the bidding, I call them the devil's minions. You know, this is not that we are coming to a day. When people, this is going to affect us for generations where no one will ever trust a politician, a nurse, a doctor, none of them. It's going to be dangerous to be associated as one of these people because they are gagged right now. They are all gagged right now under, under work to not give informed consent. And they are all seeing things that are not right and they are not speaking out. And when these systems fall, I tell you, these devil's minions, I, I hope they make the right decision and get on the right side of the people because we won't forget. And the children, yeah, you're right. The cognitive dissonance is so thick. So what's going on with the adults? Are they too far gone? I don't know. Some of them are. I think it's a spiritual contract, the awakening, your own awakening. You know, there must be a spiritual contract because I see very intelligent people who are refusing to look they got their feet in the sand they got their eyes wide shut and who's speaking for the children you know you talk about subliminal messaging imagine people say to me one of the big questions about unschooling well how how do you socialize how are your kids going to get any socialization i'm like are you kidding me what's going on right now six feet apart with masks on their face having to eat at their desk and hand sanitize every 20 minutes. What kind of socialization is happening there? 
But I love how Jason Kristoff talks about the bell. It also is the conditioning, right? Where this is your entertainment time. You're off work. Recess. Go create. You get the set amount of time. 15 minutes. Go play. Now get back here and get conditioned to hating what you're doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> get back in your desk and don't talk to your partner. We'll have, right? I'll, I'll have to forward this to Jason so he can listen to this. <laughs> he probably have a good laugh at it. Um, he will. He hasn't met me yet, but he's about to. Yeah, I, I'll send his. I'll <laughs> send in his course. <laughs> yeah, I hope you get to see him face to face in the course. Otherwise, I'll, I think I'll, we do. I think um, we get to do a couple one on one. So we'll we'll be meeting soon enough. Good. If not, let me know and I'll send your information to him. <laughs> you need to talk to her right now, Jason. Um, yeah. So much of so much of this is just we have to we have to find people. We have to create our own tribe in a weird, twisted, fucking way that um, we can create a network of people who are awake, aware, and ready to use their anger and their courage to, to help move people lovingly towards making the right choices. Because, okay, let's use this example. There's a lot of people who come to me for help and they have no concept whatsoever of what a value even is. They don't know how to apply values. When I ask them what their values are, because everything is a value, they have a list of like a hundred at the ready and it's everything under the sun. And I have to say to them, no, 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 because this is what they mean when they say, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for everything Mm -hmm. because you have to take this list of comprehensive things and you have to choose a small number of them, choose 10. Then out of that 10, choose five. And out of that five, figure out what are the dominant ones because it becomes like a tree where there's all these different branches where in a particular situation, something pushes against your value and that's integrity. Integrity inherently means telling the truth at all times. Telling the truth in what context? If somebody's value is compassion, well, then you have to get familiar with compassion, what it really means and get active about practicing compassion and also understand that compassion is different from empathy and different from sympathy. And that compassion is also maladaptive because we can give our compassion to the wrong people. And then in that case where it becomes maladaptive, it doesn't mean to be nasty. There's no lack of love in the action of saying no. Because now it comes back to your integrity. And so uh, you have to very slowly guide people and teach them things that you should be learning when you were a kid. What are my values? And values change as we learn and grow. There's a wonderful saying that life happens in levels and we arrive in stages. And at every level of life, it's going to demand that maybe you make a couple of tweaks to your original value system, but you keep them and you realize that each value now has a different pathway that you can take in any given context. Because as you learn and you grow and you become more mature in that lifelong process, avenues now open up that you haven't yet seen. And so you have to figure out, okay, What is it that I value here? And how is this value going to be in alignment with being as loving 
as possible. Everything that we're talking about, the truth of what's happening out there is for us, all of us, is about putting love where we see a lack of it. And I want anybody that is listening to this that might be mortified, that has made it this far, to ask yourself, why are you horrified? Because that's the program. Or those are the programs. Those those little bits of yourself that you want to attack us and attack what we're seeing, you want to pick it apart. That's your dominant subconscious programming. That's telling you what you have been thinking on repeat for your entire life, potentially. Where did you get it from? Ask yourself the question, how is this serving you? Really get curious. Confront your own self. Confront the voices in your head. Tell your left brain, hey, look, you bitch, hold on. How is this thought serving me? Could I let this go? Is this something that I can be with? So that I can figure out how I need to navigate and open my mind to a perspective that's outside of it. I go on about this all the time. People tell me, you're talking above a lot of people's heads. And I said, I know. But if I say it a million times, their subconscious mind is going to see that. (laughs) And it's going to repeat that message eventually. So leave me alone. I'm working. (laughs) So... um. You know, we have all of these different things that we think are well-intentioned, like Disney movies and all this other crap, mm-hmm. which contributes to the the splitting of our consciousness because what it does is it creates, I think it was Carl Jung that actually said this, it creates a split in the consciousness of a young child and it, it causes hypersexual behavior. It causes, you know, everything to go back to some dark side of it and I actually had to explain this to one of my friends a, a while ago I said hey, let's listen everything that people do is rooted in some kind of weird section and it's because of some of the things that we're exposed to and so you have to be careful about what you as even as an adult what you expose yourself to because you're yeah. passing that on yeah you might you might not have any kids but you can be guaranteed somebody else's kid is looking at you for whatever reason mm-hmm. and they're going to pick up something from you. So I'm calling right now with this statement for personal responsibility where the adults are concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely even with, um, not even just the over sexualization, but also, you know, like that, this, the, the strewing of the, the, the movies, you know, one day my son, my 11 year old said to me, why is it that all the movies always have one of the parents dying? You know, and it was amazing that he was able to point that out. And so part of my work is, is equipping them with the eyes, right? That I didn't have the knowledge, you know, the, uh, liaria meter. Just to to interject you there. Yeah. I love that. The liaria to explain to the listeners that don't know what you mean when you say that equip them with the eyes, it's what, what, you're saying is teach your children how to recognize subconscious mind programs in everything outside of us. Yeah. Continue. (laughs) And, and yeah. And so they're not duped like we were. And, you know, I, I realized that leading this lifestyle also, I've had to accept that I, I'm here to trigger people. 
you know, what you were saying a little bit earlier and you are too with the work that you're doing. I mean, that's just part and parcel. Yeah. So that is a good call to action for people who are feeling triggered by some of this, because obviously I get that quite a bit. People want to defend the school system. They want to defend their aunt B who's been a teacher for 45 years down at the school at the street. They want to defend the fact that the parents aren't involved and it's really their problem or the CBE, the, the board or, you know, and I don't need to get into all of that. Um, but I do know that just by living my life out, living my life out loud, you know, um, that I will trigger others. And that's, that's part of their awakening. So when you can see it as that, that could be part of their awakening. You're planting a seed. Yeah. Then it's uh, all good. I, I, and that in itself is an, is another way that the global culture of disempowerment gets its dirty little fingers into our brains because we have all of these allegedly well-intentioned uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, et cetera, whatever the hell they call themselves these days. Um, bringing these words into what's called the common nomenclature. So in the same way that, you know, we picked up the word cool when we were growing up and that was, it was, it started as a slang word and now it's a part of global language. These little mind viruses slip in and they come down the ladder to us. So trigger is a disempowerment word. It's, it's a word that's used in the psychology industry to create victims. And also trauma is another word that's used to create victims. Everything is not a trauma. Like daddy dropped you on your head when you were five. Get over it. Yeah. He, 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 you know, he slipped and you fell. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe daddy needed to do 20 push-ups a day and you were too heavy. And, you know, the, everybody was at fault yeah. here. You know, yeah, every, it's yeah. just... Stop taking that story with you mm-hmm. everywhere you go, right? And, you know, these are these people who carry stories like that are the ones that are out there getting the fucking vaccine. They're the ones that are out there, you know, the government's going to save me. The doctor's going to save me. There's going to be yeah. another pill to save me. Instead of listening to our kids, they say, oh... I don't feel good today. I feel this thing. And then you rush them off to the doctor and the doctor says, well, this is not a medical issue. Go to the psychologist. The psychologist says, ah, let me get my diagnostic statistical manual here. And, you know, they lick their finger and they flip through the fucking slimy ass pages of the DSM-5 and they say, oh, so you say you're experiencing this thing? Oh, it must be that. Oh, okay. So these five qualities that you're describing to me, which... Don't tell anybody this are your emotional environment. Um, these things are now going to be your label. Now you have generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah. Now you're bipolar. Yeah, now here's your- you're just, you have severe anxiety and depression. And the only thing that can fix it are these pills because mm-hmm. now you have a problem with your brain. And that kind of thinking is doing us all in. That's, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And freedom, right? Yeah. Freedom, ultimately. Everything is just about how do we take freedom away from these people? Little by little. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about sovereignty. It's all about... (laughs) It doesn't have to be this way. And I know there's going to be 
Okay, there's some other things I want to say here. I know there's going to be a lot of, of people who still listening to us rant for however long we've been at it. Um, they're not going to understand what we're saying. Like, they're not going to understand the value of unschooling. They're going to say, I can't do that. Do you understand like how my kids would be treated and stuff like that? And mm-hmm. you know, what do you say to that? Because me, I say to that, good, let them have a bad fucking time with it. Let them realize that, yes, there was something wrong with being a part of that system. And these people are now trying to abuse me because I'm doing the right thing. And let them learn from that discernment. Let them learn how to stand up for themselves and learn that sometimes when you make the real right choice based in your truth and in your integrity and in your sense of self, the value that you've placed on yourself and it hasn't been handed to you by anybody else, the herd is going to push against you and it's always going to be that way. Well, first of all, I would always ask your children if they want to be unschooled and, you know, my kids can go to school anytime they want to, if they really wanted to, but they have zero desire. They love being at home with me. They love what we're doing and they have ultimate freedom to choose. Uh, we don't do curriculum because they choose not to. My, my 11 year old decided he wanted um, to get a grade six math book and he, he has it here and he does it once in a while. But, you know, when he feels the desire to, cause that's just a tool that we use to go and explore as a human, some subject we're interested in, he'll do it. Um, so you have to create your own tribe though. Immediately you have to be strong and courageous enough to leave the tribe that you're in. And if you don't have a tribe, you create them. Dr. Pamela uh, Popper, who wrote, um, uh, the one of the very first books that came out about COVID-19 a couple of years back, but she just started this thing where she just said, start Thursday night meetings in your home. You know, um, just, you know, and, and that's what I did. I started Thursday night meetings. I started a quick like Facebook group. Not that I really like those kinds of platforms, but they're good to branch out to, um, to people quickly. And I started an unschooling homeschooling collective. And now I have 90 parents in there and they're all talking to each other. And we create um, different things, meetups and stuff. And uh, we share resources and all sorts of things are going on. Um, And then I have a more intimate group that I meet with weekly. um, That's part of the Freedom Alliance. And so, you know, you can create your tribe. um, And that's it. And, and, And lead, lead, you know, when you are called when you see that there's something wrong and you are called to rise and speak against, you know, the evil, the fear that we see looming, um, the doors will open. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. I just knew that I wasn't going down to Satan's Haven anymore. And I didn't know it was Satan's Haven until I knew. And when I did, that was it. And just that power, that sovereign power of making a choice and saying, we are not going back there. Lots of doors opened after that. Yeah, I think that's the process with with anything. Yeah, I I definitely hear what you're saying. I'm glad you said it. Um, People need to hear that. And um, I saw you were taking notes. Is there anything else on your notes that you need to... Well, I just wanted to explain for some people like, um, you know, maybe who aren't understanding exactly or they can't wrap their head around, well, you know, like some of the questions that I get, you know, are like, 
you know, well, how are they going to get a job? You know, how are they going to be able to work out there? Well, you know, I'm not here to create worker bees. We're doing things different because we're, 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 we're pioneers of the new earth and uh, we're not going to just create that. We're, you know, but I'm pretty sure that my kids will be, you know, entrepreneurs because they'll be fulfilling and going after their passion and they have all the freedom. And I'm here to do everything I can to provide the resources for them to follow those passions. Um, but again, it goes back to the parent taking responsibility for unlearning and undoing and un- unveiling all of the conditioning that we've, that's been thrown onto us. So one of the biggest like impactful things I can give you just a quick example is my 11 year old, then 10 year old wanted to do horseback riding. So I was able to find him a horseback riding mentor and get him all involved. And he did it for a couple months. And the authoritative model would dictate that because I went and I did this and I paid so much money for a camp and a teacher and that you have to, when you start something, you have to follow through. When you start something, you've got to do it to the end because in life, things are tough and you got to do stuff that you don't want to do. So one day he came to me and he said, mommy, I don't want to ride the horses anymore. I think that the bits hurt their teeth. And I said, well, yeah, I know. I I can see that. But, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I just paid for this program and we're in this thing and we're halfway through. And I said, I think that they're used to it. You know, they're older horses. And he said to me, that's like saying, mommy, um, you know, if I punched you in the face because you're older, that you're used to it. And so it's okay. And I said, yeah, you know what? You're right. My bad. Absolutely. And I pulled him out and I had this initial fear. And it's the same fear that we learn in school was to tell the teacher, the coach, my child, he's not going to come back. You know, it's not you. It's that he doesn't, you know, he believes that. And he also believes that their backs are caved in from people riding them. He just wants to be a friend with a horse. He doesn't actually want to break them. Right. And I'm supposed to say this to this coach who's <laughs> invested in it. But I did. And I pushed myself. And, and, and you know what? I would have broken him if I had have made him continue. Can you imagine if I didn't sit and listen to his soul of what he's interested in and what he really wanted to do? Can you imagine the situation and the scenarios that we've all been in ourselves where we were forced to do something we didn't want to do and the impact and the trauma that that had on us? I mean... That's just, you know, you're taking it right back to what I was saying about values-based decision-making. And kids are so young that kids, kids will honor animals in the same way that they will honor human beings. And so for the kid, the kids on a, a soul level is more interested in how the horse feels yeah. about it. And me as a parent, being the weird fucktard I am, <laughs> I'd say, okay, so, well, you know, let's go talk to the horse about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's great. You know, like. Because what we're conditioned to do, what I was conditioned to do was be embarrassed to tell the coach. Now think about how many of us have given over our children to coaches, to priests, to people in authoritative figures. This is part of the toxic paradigm that we're breaking out of is not listening to anything outside of ourselves, but honoring the soul's path. And that requires a lot of work on my part. So for anyone that's listening, 
sovereignty. Sovereignty. It and, yeah. No, it okay, yeah. So let me say this. Sovereignty is a very special ability that you have to cultivate. And it, it's baby steps, but and it starts when we're a baby. It, many of us as adults, you know, we've had so many decades of programming that we've had to come back from. And we're, it's, it's safe to say we'll still be coming back from these programs uh, until the day we die because there's nobody that's uh, separate and distinct from that system as long as we have to work to, to be able to put food on the table and do things like that, we're still going to have to interact with that system and we're still going to be subject to the insidious nature of how things get creep in and just kind of take a hold of your consciousness. Like we're always going to have that projected. And so it's, it's not something we can, we can completely override. However, what we can do is like you said, get our own game ready to handle mm-hmm. these things and be leaders mm-hmm. and understand that sovereignty means that as a fragment, a spark of, of energy that has come from the creator of everything, mm-hmm. that's what sovereignty is, recognizing that on that level, the creator has ultimate authority, except it doesn't mean that the creator is above you. You and the creative force are the same. And sovereignty recognizes that there is no authority other than that, other than your ability to communicate with the creative force and say, I am going to do this thing for the highest good of everyone and for the best of all mankind. And it is by your living that you go on to be a sovereign for sovereign being. People mistake sovereignty with autonomy. Autonomy has to do with being an individual. And what people are trained by the mass media to think autonomy is, is about doing whatever you feel like, regardless of how it impacts other people. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it is. Yeah, that's another hijacking of the word. It's about sovereignty. It's about your soul doing what it knows is best for its development as a contributor to what is going on on a global scale. And uh, uh, Ryan, uh, Outer Limits Radio, when you get a chance, go on to OuterLimitsRadio.com and check out the short interview with Fiona Lachelle, an eight-year-old girl that... Um, she didn't want to wear the mask and her parents made a promise to her that she didn't have to wear it. And they, oh, yeah. they, they stood true. Yeah. And yeah, you heard about it. And they sent this kid home 38 times, basically, yeah. because she wouldn't comply. Yeah. She's still not complying. She was empowered. And, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know what, I don't know very much about it apart from the story because I listened to Ryan's interview with her and her mom. I don't know if they know anything about unschooling. I don't know if they're aware that that's a thing or if they're in this situation that they're in and it's, you know, gaslighting by tribe there. It's them versus the world. And and unschooling provides that platform where you, you don't have to feel that way because you know, they are actually in your power when you're doing it, not against. Oh, sorry. My little one's speaking to me. Well, y'all, I'll have to, um, 
I'm thinking about starting a podcast maybe called uh, Unschooled and Unvaxxed, and we'll see how that goes along. <laughs> Hopefully I won't get thrown in jail for it. But, Do it. Uh, <laughs> you already figured out i love controversy so do it yeah 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 there's definitely a lot of topics and um and uh yeah we can get together as that new tribe to support yeah. one another and so i'm aware that we've been talking forever i know this is going to be a long podcast um <laughs> but i want to tackle the frequently asked questions on your website so that even before people go there, they have a good idea of what they're what they're really looking at. So is unschooling legal? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. And that was one of the big uh, questions of some of the people that I've worked with um, and myself included at the beginning. And, you know, every every province, just like I'm sure every state, every country has different regulations. But you want to find a board um, that supports unschooling. And I was able to do that. And because I did this so early, like now I don't even think that you can get onto a board. Everybody's a lot of people are trying to pull their kids out of school right now in China. And it's not it's it, they don't have anyone to work with specifically. So in my case, I, I found a very supportive um, school. But, you know, listen, we do what we have to do for our children to support this freedom to support their freedom. So, you know, at the beginning of the year and the end of the year, I'm supposed to meet with somebody online. I'm supposed to write this big up program, but all the things we're doing, I write it. If we do it, we do it. If we don't, we don't. And I say what I have to say to get through the next year, because I am trusting in the soul's path and journey of my children. And I know that I will be able to provide for them all of the things of which are going to lead them from one interest to the next. Now you can't really explain that to, you know, the, the control matrix, or the, the, you know, the, the education minister when you're writing your programs. So you do and you say what you got to do. That Freedom of their all. language. <laughs> but yes, it is. It is yeah. legal. It, yeah. And so, you know, what's the difference between homeschooling and unschooling? Well, it gets a little it gets a little particular because a lot of homeschoolers, again, they might want to, you know, if I start speaking about homeschooling, they'll say things like, you know, well, that's not what we do, or you know, their their programming is is different as well. Like you kind of talked about, everybody it's hitting their subconscious differently. So, I like to speak more about what what unschooling is not, and so what it is not is it is not sitting at the kitchen table trying to emulate school in our home for two or three hours a day. That is what it is not. And I did try that, by the way. I went and jumped from, you know, um, pulling them out to try to homeschool and it fractured the relationship. They didn't want to do it and I didn't want to teach it. And I thought I was a failure. And how can this not be? And look at on Instagram, all these wonderful homeschooling moms with their chalkboards and curriculums and everybody looks so happy making muffins. But that's just not the way it is for most. And we all know what social media is like, the fraction, you know, the truth that's out there is social media. So for me, it didn't work. So when I heard the term unschooling and thought there's this legal way that I can, my, I can trust that my children are going to be okay and they're going to learn and we can be free of this system. I mean, I had no idea. I mean, yeah. it was just so a lot of homeschoolers when they're really entrenched in their homeschooling, they just think that I'm whack. They're just like, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm homeschooling. 
But this broad over here is nuts. Okay, we're not going to ever be doing that. All right, kids. So, you know, it really is a spectrum and I'm on the extreme end of it, um, which actually is just, you know, it sounds radical, but it's becoming more and more like, you know, even unschooled kids are sought after in, in university because they're not from the same cookie cutter, you know, cl- yeah. cl- clone. It cracks me up because it, it, it details how far outside of normalcy we've gone in the name of advancement and development of a society where we think that sending our kids to an institutionalized education system is normal. Right. But prior to any system like that, everybody got along fine. Like everybody was running around rolling in dirt. You know, you read something, you learn how to read and write the best you could. The concept of being illiterate only came about when the secular way of things came around, you know, when everything was forced on people and they decided, oh, we're going to send them all to school and tell them how to think. That was when people became illiterate. But other than that, everybody had everything they needed. And hey, we made it to this point. So it couldn't have been that bad. Like, really? like That's right. It'll work itself out, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we were duped to thinking and then, you know, it, it's like they hijack certain things. Like, again, there were probably some instances of child labor or maybe there were some, you know, shitty parents that didn't treat their kids right. And they'll take those very few instances and they'll be like, that's how it is. We need to, you know, we need to take the children from the parents and we need to, you know, make them sophisticated members of society. And, and, and then and then your, your kid's going to miss out. Your kid's going to miss out if they're not in school. I mean, it's just all, again, that subliminal messaging to control the herd, to control the masses, to mold the minds to the next slave generation. Evil needs all the well-to-do people to do their dirty work. Um, You know, I have to say this. Not going to... um, Not going to school until I was about seven, eight years old was the best thing for me. And what actually happened was my mom was able to get her hands on the coursework that I would have been missing from each year level and just Mm -hmm. giving me the books. And I did it myself. And if there was something I didn't understand, then she would go and get private lessons for me. People would come to the house and teach me the math and the English and stuff like that. And by the time I went into the education system, guess what happened? I was fluent in Spanish by age six. I was doing the highest level English by age seven. And I already understood everything that there was about math. And it was only when I entered that system that that people then saw that there was a problem with that. I literally had a Spanish teacher when I was 15 years old who marked everything wrong in my Spanish book because she didn't like the fact that I'd already come in to school knowing all of this, that I'd learned this at home. How can this child be better at Spanish than I am? That's not, that's not right. So let's victimize him. Yeah, And, uh, you know, that created a nasty scenario where my mom looked at the book one evening and she was like, how come you're failing Spanish? And I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. And um, 
you know, she took she took the homework to the head of the department and said, look, all of these answers are right. Here's the Spanish textbook with the answer section. All of these are right. My kid's been speaking Spanish since he was six. And uh, they figured out that that was what was going on. So, you know, you will get met with some dickheads on this journey when you're trying to do right by your children. But that doesn't mean don't do it. It means definitely do it. It didn't, you know, it, I wouldn't say that affected me. Incidents like that affected me. Incidents like that showed me as a child how ignorant everybody else really was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to face that problem and realize that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of problematic people out there that are just going to do what they do. And I have to, I have to be willing to feel, you know, feel the emotions and, and have the thoughts that go along with that. And people think that, it, that maybe that's too much. And that brings me to the other frequently asked question, you know, how do children learn when there's no curriculum or a t- or a teacher and I want to add to that. How do you how do you speak to your kids and, and let them know that other people's reactions to how they perceive you should be outside of the system? How do you deal with that? How do you get your kids to process that? Well, how they learn, you know, it's it's a it's you got to take a leap of faith in this if you're going to do this lifestyle, right? And I remember my mentor said to me, "You'll see it. Give it time." And I was like, oh my gosh, are you sure? And it was not easy at first. You know, you're like, you know, because you got these things in your head, you know, and you look at these government handouts when you're going to fill out the stuff for homeschooling or unschooling. And even the verbiage that they use is completely to undermine your confidence as a parent. And I had this mentor point this out to me, luckily. And she said, it'll say on there things like, what will your neighbors and your family think? You know, stuff like that, it literally by the government's hand. They want you to second guess yourself, right? And they want you to second guess your children. You're not competent. You're not fit. They, they, they can't. What do you mean your soul? Trust their soul. So that's what I'm saying when I'm saying it's a leap of faith. But I see it. I, and, and you have to go to where they are. It's the reverse from what we've done, which is I don't care what you think. Here's your five subjects. And this is what you're going to be learning an hour every day for the next 12 years, right? It doesn't matter what you think. What do you mean what you think? That doesn't matter what you're interested in. No, 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 no. We got this going on for you, right? So it's the opposite. So I started doing things like playing Minecraft with them, trying to understand what, they're, what they love about this building and this game. You know, they've learned math coordinates from having to build like worlds and stuff, you know, things that I wouldn't have taught them or who knows if it's even the curriculum at that age, right? Finding out that, you know, my little one loves art. Do you know, I had him in so many activities prior to and with school in the way taking up the whole day. I had no idea that he was an artist until we were in this scenario where sky's the limit and there's no curriculum. And he's just started drawing and drawing. And then I got him a mentor. And now every week he's doing these drawings and sketches of birds and beautiful animals. I mean, you know, so you'll see how they learn. You'll see what they're picking up. And it's just through presence. And this is full circle back to the very first question you asked me, what is consciousness and present parenting, bringing the presence back. That's all it is. That's all it is. And you will see it. 
and you will experience it and so will they. And then you'll have more and more confidence in this lifestyle and you will go on and on and you will go blazing and you will not look back. I can promise you that. This, are you touched lightly on, and I loved everything you said, by the way, there's nothing I have to add to that or anything. I think that that's just perfect presence with your kids. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had to learn to be present with myself to undo all of the bullshit. So yeah. obviously, you know what I'm saying? As a parent, you gotta, you gotta undo your own bullshit, you. be present with your kids, figure out what aspect of, of their newness and in their approach to life. Mm-hmm. The, that's really bugging you. <laughs> Still pushing yeah. against your societal programming. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And this thing about how will your kids learn to socialize? Well, I mean, <laughs> you're not, you're not keeping them locked in a cage. Are you? Like, that's like, it. <laughs> I mean, we, the, the whole world is our classroom. Now, the reason I wanted to do a podcast called um, Unschooled and Unvaxxed is because right now in China, it's very difficult to, to do things. They are taking our freedoms away. You know, right now we can't go to museums or theaters or restaurants or, or uh, public pools or rec centers or think about this. Think about how that's deterring the average family from pulling their kids out of school or from being unvaccinated, right? So, I mean, we have had to get really creative in our own backyard and and become, it's forcing us, you know, which, you're, well, the nature is our backyard, right? All of the mountains. We love live up in the mountains and by a lake and, you know. We've just had to pivot and and become more with nature and slow down, slow down, get off that treadmill, slow life down, you know? Oh, what do you want to do today? Every day is like a Saturday. Oh, you want to bake today? That's what you want to do? Well, okay, let's go and let's well, bake something. That's what you say. And then we don't Well, and then, okay, what did we do today? We went skiing all day, you know? It's okay. <laughs> So, you know, sometimes we got to clean the hamster's cage. That's what we're going to do. And in between that, they're playing with friends. But in terms of the socialization, I would just ask the question with a question with how much socializing do you think kids are getting at school right now with masks on their six feet apart, um, eating at their desk, not allowed to use the gym. I saw the new the new restrictions that came out this week for all the schools in Alberta. And let me tell you, there's no socialization going on. Not, not, not the type that I want for my kids. So I made my tribe. I find my people. I put myself out there. And we, we have groups all the time. We have meetups all the time. Yeah, I, um, I definitely understand what you're saying. And, and I know to a lot of people that might sound way outside of it, but I want to tell this story. I don't go out very much. Um. And that's honestly because I cannot stand the culture of this country. I, it's like me being a square peg trying to fit myself in a triangular hole. And <laughs> it just doesn't work. Uh, and so the one time I went out sometime last year, this goes to show you, uh, I'll try to keep my language at bay as well. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Nothing they haven't heard. Um, That's another thing. That's just a program. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
what I what I experienced was very eye opening because I I saw immediately two things. I saw people who were trying to make the best of what was being imposed on us because I met a couple that were from Indiana or something like that. And they had their, they were decided, you know, in the middle of all this garbage, just to up and travel all over the world before it ended. And um, one of the things we talked about was that, and this is talking to the father of the kids. He, he said, look, I don't, I don't see how being in a classroom is healthy for them, especially in a time like this. And my wife and I want to travel and see the world and do different things. And the best thing for them is to see how ignorance is the same wherever you go, but also how there's so much to learn from getting your hands in the dirt in different countries. And he he said, you know, we still send them to school and stuff like that, but they get to learn how things are different, how things are the same in the school system in every country. And that, you know, they're not subjected to something that other people in other countries aren't subjected to. Everybody learns the same lessons just in different ways is, is what I took away from what he was telling me about the whole thing. And he just figured, screw it. You know, we could as well be experiencing different aspects of the world because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And then he left here and, and I think they went to like Brazil or somewhere like that. And so they, now the kids are enrolled in school there and doing stuff like that. And Very cool. Huh? Very cool. Yeah. I so mean- there you go. You know, you don't, you don't have to do things the right way even if you want to send your kids to school those his kids still get so much education from being out and about in all these different places climbing trees swimming in the sea yeah you get what i'm saying there's no need to be afraid of living your life that's right yeah absolutely they didn't you know the kids aren't being scarred by leaving the friends that they made behind in other countries or any weird crap that they'll tell you (laughs) and they do and they do tell you that and there is this fear behind leaving the matrix because if we all leave they're powerless if we all you know i I say this again and again through social media channels because i'm very vocal about what's going on and i say take your power back pull your kids out even if 50 percent of people grab their kids and pull them out it would be a different tune You're sitting around waiting for these boards and these people to tell you what kind of mask you got to put on your child next and how many genders they're going to learn about this year. And, you know, I mean, it's just, we, again, back to sovereignty, have been conditioned to piece by piece, give it away, give it away, give it away. And now we have to slowly piece by piece, take it back, take it back, take it back and take the same programming that they're using for, for evil and use it towards our good. And that's when you start talking about Marissa Pierce and Pierre and, and some of the other stuff, you know, that we can do to. The I am not enough syndrome. Yeah. 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 As yeah. well intentioned as that I am not enough syndrome theory is, it's still, you can't fix it by affirming mm-hmm. that 
I am, you know, because the subconscious mind doesn't know what the hell you're talking about. The subconscious mm-hmm. mind only knows the emotional reactions you've had, which have hardwired that message into you. And so as well-intentioned as it is, you're doing the opposite of what you're trying to do when you try to reaffirm it. The only way to prove to yourself that you are actually enough is to claim your sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember when my mom was leaving my dad, um, she came up with this thing, like, she's like, son, in life, you got to slowly take your hand out of the lion's mouth. And that's what it comes down to with the system. You have to slowly yeah. take your power back and step back from it in the in yeah. ways that are so subtle that when your bags are packed and you're gone, they don't even notice that you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very true, uh, especially of, I was thinking about just pulling the kids out and not using the board. Um, and I went and I did a bit of investigation and one of the, the, the lead people in Canada for homeschooling said, no, you want to use the board because they act like a lawyer on your behalf with the government. Otherwise it's just you and the health, um, you know, or so the education minister and you still have to send in a program. And what that told me was, is I'll be on a list. Do you know what I mean? Now I am going to, I am still, I'm down the rabbit hole now working on reclaiming my sovereignty legally and my children and putting their names into corporations so that the government can't, you know, there's a, there's like a whole thing on that too. But, um, and so, um, that, that is the way is backing out slowly, educating yourself, educating yourself and backing out slowly. I agree. Um, okay. So I think you talked about how the kids are going to be employable in the future. Right. And we all know that if you want to detach from the matrix, you kind of have to get into the entrepreneurship uh, area. So my my mentor has a funny saying. She always she made some shirts that said, "My unschooled kid will employ your 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 schooled kid <laughs> twenty years from now." <laughs> that's a that's a bit much for me, but I loved it. But um, you know, I would just say that uh, as I continue on in this lifestyle, it's so apparent that they're going to be creators. You know, and then money will be the secondary or whatever it is we're using in the next new world will be the secondary. Yeah, that's what it's about. Um, What you love. Doing what you love can only bring good results. There's this this paradigm, again, related to the matrix where you're going to you have to suffer to get anywhere in life and and that's just something that's been hardwired into all of us through mm-hmm. generations that you must suffer you have to suffer to grow you have to suffer to have enough money and along with that concept of enough money when is enough going to be enough mm-hmm. because we also get taught then to squander what little bit of money we make in our day job for example you know, we get taught that we have to continue to stay in the system. And, and then there's these clever ways to take what we make away from us. And, you know, there's consumerism and all these different things where we spend money on shit that we don't need. And once you really step back and take your sovereignty away and you, you know, Jason's going to love this. You stop drinking the fucking Starbucks. You stop, yeah. uh, you know, stop drinking the alcohol. 
stop eating the donuts as much as that hurts me to not eat donuts, <laughs> you know, stop using your mouth as a garbage contact con factor. Like he says, you st- you save a lot of money because you're no longer expending your funds on trash mm-hmm. and you're going to have so much more time freedom and so much more money when you're in that state of creativity and nothing suppressing your consciousness. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm, I'm right there and it's Rex! <laughs> it's it's amazing um, when you realize that it's all connected you know and what do I really have to teach my children if the media are if they're this bad of liars what do our history books say if everything that is surrounded every industry like coffee and alcohol and weed stores and vaping stores are all the devil's minions. What do I really have to teach my children other than loving them to death, other than being here and being present? I mean, they're going to have a better hand up just from me pulling them out of this system, right? Yeah. But you have to be ready to see all of that. And that's where the cognitive dissonance comes in because that is basically asking somebody to completely shatter their paradigm of what they think their life has always been about and to question everything. It's not an easy... Question everything and don't let the devil's minions bully you. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we've been talking for hours now. I know, I know. I got to go feed my little ones now. Yeah. This has been a really great conversation and very humbled to have you on. Uh, When I saw you followed me, there was this, there is this thing that happens where I see someone and I know this is a person I need to connect with. And I'm glad that I have that ability to notice those things because this was fantastic and this is something that everybody needs to hear so i'm really glad that you came on i'm really glad that i have the opportunity to connect with you and and share this message so thank you well you're in my you're in my tribe now so we're we'll definitely stay connected with all that's going on in the world and and uh stay close as we navigate these exciting times Absolutely. And you can feel free to come on anytime again that you want to rant about the devil's minions and, you know, tell us about how you're <laughs> home. Sorry, I almost said the wrong word. Your yeah. unschooling is is developing and progressing. All right. That so sounds good. Okay, we'll talk to know. you soon. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. This has been another episode of the Boundless Authenticity podcast. Stay updated by clicking the subscribe button and follow on Instagram at Jahan Sator, J-E-H-A-N-S-A-T-T-A-U-R. As always, love and blessings and thanks for listening.